Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hey everybody, lovely to catch up with you again, even though I can't see you face to face. Uh, Thank you for all your feedback about um, the talks that we're putting out. Please keep them coming. It's always encouraging to know if we're kind of touching the sweet spot in your life. Also, uh, um, want you to continue with the policy that we have adopted which is be friends with those whom you're friends and talk to those to whom you talk and be aware of those who might be outside of those um, uh, two groups uh, so that you may be conscious just of maybe their needs and if you need to put in a call or um, uh, uh, a message or you're aware of something and need to get back to us outside of that friend your own friends and the people who you talk to please feed anything back to us that you think is something we can attend to or care for. We'll continue as a uh, as a community to be aware of people's needs and uh, are doing our best to uh, impart an input into those situations uh, personally and privately uh, as required. Also, we've offered the building at Q to the funeral directors in the city um, as they were struggling for venues um, that might be able to take more people than they had currently been allowed Of course, we've got a large facility, can do that with social distancing in place. So um, hopefully we can serve some people who are grieving at this time in the city by uh, being open and available to them. That that includes them, uh, not just us doing services, but people of all faiths and of none. So uh, we'll see how that uh, we'll see how that works out Um, in thinking about what to share with you uh, today, uh, something just dropped into me out of nowhere uh, this morning that I've been uh, thinking about and just writing down the things that just popped up in my uh, spirit and um, I I would have called that probably still do call that a word from God it was just I wasn't thinking about this this wasn't in my sights to uh, to cover or bring to you and yet boom uh, it just dropped in so I'm figuring this is probably what we need to uh, need to share and talk about today. So I want to talk to you about um, when it's wrong to be right. Um, one of the dangers of a situation like this is the diverse opinions can, uh, instead of instead of uh, fusing us together, can can ultimately turn us against one another. Um, as we've witnessed, you know, in the last election and with political upheaval and all that kind of stuff. Um, And uh, so I wanted to talk about uh, when it's wrong to be right, as how it just dropped into my spirit today. Um, The beginning of the Bible talks about a curse. That curse is said to be the consequence of eating the fruit that grows on a tree that the recipients were distinctly told to stay away from. Uh, To dismiss the story because you think 
it is some kind of fairy tale is to miss the point being made and therefore, in my view, to express a tinge of foolishness. Um, the tree from which those designated first humans were commanded not to eat is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And two streams of thought have grown out of this naming of the tree. The first one is that pursuing that the pursuing of knowledge outside of sacred scripture is wrong. Thus, the religious community's battle with science and the ologies other than theology began. And the second stream is that good and evil became the absolute measure against which all things should be judged. The flaw in that first proposal is so blatantly obvious that we probably shouldn't waste too much time on it. Although it is worth mentioning that there is probably as much diversity in the views of the scientific community as there are denominations and doctrines in the Christian community and they fight just the same. Um, I will say that uh, when and if science becomes your religion, dogma will become your inevitable landing place, just as sure as if Christianity or Islam or, or any of the other classified religions uh, are grabbed in a certain way, they, they, they become, that dogma becomes our inevitable landing place. We have no space for real understanding outside uh, of what we think is right. Um, and yet within every, within it on every front, science, biology, medicine, um, etc., etc., uh, and I would put into this um, the Christian dogma as well, the Christian denominational thinking or the development of Christianity and, and probably probably any other um, religious thought and any other way of thinking, whether it's economics or sociology uh, or politics, that within these things on every front, uh, every innovator, whoever lived has at some point been considered a heretic by their peers. With the benefit of hindsight, we look back even at things like um, um, hygiene and and the cleanliness in medicine, you know, just the simple of washing, a surgeon washing his hands and changing his, his smock in between operations. We take that for granted, but when it was first proposed that um, the surgeons themselves were killing people, um, because they were they were cross infecting them, uh, when that was raised, it was it was considered heresy, you know. And and how could you say that? So people like Florence Nightingale and and, and great people like that, uh, everybody didn't just say, "Oh, that's amazing, thank you for your input." Uh, um, why? Because the people who were doing that were doing thought they were right, and they were going to defend that they were. Right, and when that was challenged by any other stream of thought, uh, they dubbed and deemed the proposer, the innovator, um, to be a heretic. And uh, we have throughout history burned people at the stake, put them to death, put them in jail, excommunicated them because they brought out ideas or their, their thinking was different to the dominant thought 
or it challenged the fear-based conclusions that were predominant at the time and uh, uh, was not running with the herd and towing the party line, but was actually saying there's a different way to see this. There's a different idea. We're missing something. So, so, so please understand that even in the, con in the, in the uh, situation we're in now, that um, those with innovative thinking, those who don't tow the party line, those who are not just gripped by fear and say we should do, do exactly as we're told, and I think we should do as we're told, I believe we should honour those in authority, but sometimes a lot of nastiness can fly around um, and, and a lot of dismissing, dismissing attitudes um, and uh, maybe even going worse than that to actually um, uh, not just severe criticism, but broken relationships or hatred or condemnation or shaming um, can happen because, because it's what people are saying. It's not right because we know what's right. Um, so I want you to keep this in, in mind that, that, that on every front, in every sphere, every innovator who ever lived has at some point been considered a heretic by their peers and yet most often those were the ideas that actually gave us the insight and the clarity to what we were facing that brought us through to a better world and a better place and to be healthier human beings and well-rounded and, and, um, uh, and good in so many ways. Now, we could substitute the words right and wrong. Um, no, sorry, let, let me take a step back. The, the second proposal... From the ones we said, remember we said that uh, the second proposal was that good and evil became the absolute measure against which all things should be judged. That second proposal is the one that is and has always been the definitive curse upon humanity. Let me explain. If we substitute the words right and wrong for the words good and evil... That may help us grasp why there is a consequential curse from a wrong understanding of this thing. Um, do you like the mug today, says the mug of the day. It's one that Connie got me, says, Dad, you did a great job. I'm awesome. How self-promoting can you be? Thanks to my sweetheart. So, so our incessant need to be right, to be seen to be right, to have our right accepted as the only right which makes all other perceived rights wrong, and then to impose our right upon the others too stupid to see how right we were in our rightness, has never led to loving cohesion ever in the history of humanity only ever to hateful division. And maybe one could also argue to truly bad decisions. Um, I would call that a curse. I don't know what you'd call it, but I would call that a curse. And I think that curse has, has, has been present among humanity from as long as we can record our, our history and existence. Now, the, the truth is, you may be right, but when that rightness stops you loving, it becomes a curse that only ever brings death and never life. 
So I'm not suggesting some things are not by that definition right, but I'm saying that being right should not be the neither the objective of the exercise, nor should it be the spirit behind the exercise. Otherwise, all that will ever do is be the curse that brings death and never life. Now, biblically speaking, Jesus didn't say, be right with one another as I have been right over you. Paul didn't say, now these three remain, facts, computer models, and being right. And the greatest of these is being right. They didn't say that. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Paul said, now these three remain, not facts, computer models, and being right, but faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is not being right. The greatest of these is love. We should never forget that every viewpoint is a view from a point. There's, there's a nugget of wisdom for you today to help you as you assimilate information and as you process your thinking and then as you make comments, we should never forget that every viewpoint is a view from a point, okay? So wherever your point is, will determine your view. My job is to try and shift you to the point where your view can take in much more than probably your current view does, okay? Now, um, so I want you to know the warning given in that wise bit of narrative in this early part of, of biblical scripture uh, about that tree designated the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the warning given was don't eat from that tree. Now, I find it fascinating that even if you only go back to the earliest translations of the Bible, which, which are reflecting a history and a narrative that goes way back before they were written, um, and, um, you know, in, in the verbal tradition had come through in this way that it was so clear that the, 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 the story within the story, the message within the message, the point within the structure was don't eat from that tree. There's something about this tree of the knowledge of good and evil with the, you know, the, the two premises that I had shared with you. There's something about that that was saying, don't eat there, don't go there. Why? Because it brings a curse rather than a blessing. It closes down society rather than opens up society. It breaks relationships rather than builds relationships. Now, the, the other tree, um, the fruit of which those designated first humans were invited to eat without restriction was called the tree of life. The implication being that the wisdom required for living successfully would have come from that. Um, therefore, we need to be students of life. What is life? What does life mean? How does life come? How does one stimulate, live with it? How does one live life? How does one live Fully, as we said in, in our message the other day, in order that we, we might love, we, love wastefully. 
See, um, John writing in his gospel wrote these words. John 1.4, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. There's something in grasping, pursuing, engaging with understanding life itself that is the light of men. And in the, in the again, this is another message, a deeper one we might come to, but in the revelation of the Christ, within the physical form of Jesus, there is a revelation of life that will bring you light okay this is not the rigidity of the legalistic religious constructs that people have built up and drawn around Jesus this is about the revelation of the Christ within Jesus that will bring that is life and will bring light right illumination to to all humanity John in John 10 10 um it records Jesus is saying, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Not I have come that you might be right and that you might be right more abundantly, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So somewhere within our willingness to pursue uh, the truth and the wonder of life itself, which is the blessing of humanity. We are humanity because we were made alive. Breath came into us. Spirit came into us. And folks, we are alive. So there's something about being alive, something about living in which there is a light and there is an abundance that, um, that will teach us how we should be. Okay. So, so eat from the tree of life was the, the something in life that itself will teach you. Now, again, we could go into how do we learn in the process of life. But again, those details are not what's on my heart today. So I'm not going into that just to make the point with you uh, about living successfully would come from feeding at the tree of life fully. Now, I don't want to over-spiritualize that or under-spiritualize that. I want to connect that. Rather than it being God is somewhere else and we are here, there is a oneness in his likeness and his image that, that is part of that whole truth of the life within uh, you and me. See, see, lasting fulfillment does not come from being right. It, it might give a, a temporary relief. It may, it may give a... Um, a non-lasting but present sense of power. Which why, um, in many ways, uh, power is like a drug um, that has to be re-injected into the being in order to produce the, the feeling, the high, the low, you know, the, the buzz, whatever it is that comes from that drug. Um, and one of the things about power is that in power you have to be right. So, so you get a buzz from being right and making everybody else submit to you being right. But that's not lasting fulfillment. Be, being right will only ever be a temporary fulfillment to the inner need because it's not touching the, the bit inside of you. What it's doing is feeding that cursed thing, which is about good and evil and right and wrong rather than feeding that inner thing, which is this flow of life, this essence, this spring of life that is within you, just longing to get past all that other nonsense about us stupidly trying to be right all the time, thinking if we're right, 
we'll be happy and everybody will be good and everybody will make you will never make cohesion and will never have personal satisfaction from that lasting fulfillment does not come from being right it comes from being loved our objective first of all is not to be right our objective first of all is to be loved and the whole essence of the true more beautiful gospel that i believe is contained within within scripture and comes to us um, by the revelation that Paul talked about when he had his encounter on the road to Damascus which changed him from a persecutor of Christians to to a leader within the Christian community Um, he said he said that God revealed Jesus in him not God revealed Jesus to him but God revealed Jesus in him so something, something of that essence there of being loved, the, the, the being accepted, um, being free, um, because you are loved, knowing that you are loved. That's, that's one of my beefs with the, with the perception that's come from the way that the Christian gospel has been presented, <clears throat> has been God loves you but actually your whole relationship depends on how well and how good you love him back uh it doesn't hey you know bible says while we were still outside cut off sinners is a word that's used Christ died for us Christ gave his life or in other words God showed his love there was a expression of love to show that we are unconditionally and totally and completely loved and accepted and embraced and there's no separation between us and God Um, but we have been made one he's not somewhere else and we're here there is this wonderful fusion um, of the divine within um, that that uh, when we when we come to the place of knowing accepting well let, let me say what we said remember when we said faith was fully accepting that we're fully accepted when by faith, if it needs to be by faith, but also by feeling, hopefully, um, I understand that I am loved, I am fully loved, and I not only love by God, but then I can love the me that I am, who God has made, then there is a fulfillment in that, that being right will never give you and never bring to you. So stop trying to be right. You know, the sad thing is, instead of theology becoming a study of God, theos, Ology of theos study of god it's become bibliology study of bible we've confused study of bible with study of god and so so the sad thing is that academically we finish up with the relationship with the bible rather than a relationship with the divine source of all things and um uh, and the truth is out of that what theology then does it's always trying to impose and force um the idea of we are right we've got it right this is right and uh, trying to feel better because we believe we're right and have imposed our right on somebody else you'll never get that fulfillment you're looking for from that you get the fulfillment from fully accepting that you're fully accepted knowing that you're loved unconditionally by the divine knowing that you are one and that love is not somewhere out there and you're here but it's all within you uh, because he is revealed not to you but in you um so lasting fulfillment does not come from being right it comes from being loved 
And lasting change does not come from writing, it comes from loving. And when I say writing, I don't mean W-R-I-T-I-N-G, as in writing, but it's a word I've kind of made up. Uh, it, writing as in R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G, being right, doing the writing, you know, writing everybody. Lasting change does not come from writing, it comes from loving. It doesn't come from writing the world. It comes from loving the world. It doesn't come from writing you and everybody else. It comes from loving you and everybody else. So value life. <clears throat> value living and value all living things above all. That's the essence of the beginnings of this journey, the tree of life and the light that comes from the life. Um, so... One of the little thought, facts and wisdom are two different things. Um, you can have wisdom with none of the facts. And you can have all the facts and no wisdom. They're two different things. And what we need, what the world needs right now, is not facts. What we need is, is wisdom. One will bring fear. The other will bring solutions. So what must we learn from all of this? Um, here's what I think. We need to learn to be willing to step back and view our own inner dramas before casting our opinions upon others. Um, if we would step back and view our own inner dramas, that would give us a great uh, perspective. Not just on how we think and why we think that, but why we want to impart and impose that in the way that we do. And uh, that sadly can take us right back to the right and wrong thing and feeling that we'll be okay if, uh, if we can show that we're right and make everybody else see that we're right. Look, be willing to step back and view your own inner dramas before casting your opinions upon others. It will help you. It's not always pleasant but it will help you to uh, understand why you are coming at the thing you're coming at the way that you do. For example, if your inner dramas have always been full of fear and somebody says, uh, coronavirus has come, we're all going to die. Um, guess what your opinions are going to be that you cast upon others? You see, now, again, you could say, but that I'm right to think that. Well, there you go. I could say I'm right to say that. You could say, well, there you go. You see, if it's driven by right and wrong, it ain't going to build any cohesion. It's got to be love. So be willing to step back and view your own inner dramas before casting your opinions upon others. Secondly, if we pursue life only through the measurement of right and wrong, we finish up trying to understand great things through a whittled down mind. And that's like trying to view the galaxies with a toy telescope. You're not ever going to see the bigger picture, the greatness, the magnitude, the magnificence, um, the chaotic, the chaotic thing that we see as order that's actually still chaos, but within the chaos is this amazing creativity and 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 um and purpose and power that comes so 
So let me say that again. If we pursue life only through the measurement of right and wrong, we finish up trying to understand great things through a whittled-down mind, which is like trying to view the galaxies with the toy telescope. Here's the third thing. If the objective is happy, loving, aware and perceptive human beings, then this will never be achieved while right and wrong is used as the chief categoriser of others. We've been taught that being to be faithful and obedient to a worldview, that's what we've been taught, to be faithful and obedient to a worldview usually presented by others um, or, or by the, um, the perception of, of from a whittled down mind with all the stuff that's been pushed upon us um, or affected by our inner dramas. Um, we've been taught to be faithful and obedient to a worldview that doesn't work. That's my objective today to get you to shift from being faithful and obedient to a worldview that doesn't work and hasn't worked since the beginning of time. It's never brought social cohesion. It's only brought division. So that's why we need divine breath in material chaos. And uh, I pray that that's what will, you will feel, experience, embrace, accept. Wisdom accepts that our whole existence and the universe itself is saturated with paradox and mystery that cannot be tamed into some kind of forced order. And that's why love and faith win over right and wrong every time. We love you, we bless you, and look forward to sharing some more thoughts with you uh, later on in the week. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.